0: People and welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Happy December to you. By the way, did you know that we now have a lovely khaki colored crew neck sweatshirt that says, Hey, all you beautiful people? It's so cute and would be a super cute Christmas gift, by the way. It was actually Nathan's idea and I think it was a great one. I love it because it's a little insider type thing for the Glorious and the Mundane podcast, but as you wear it, You're like a pretty little billboard for telling the people around you, that they're beautiful. I love it. You can find those on my website, just so you know. Anyway, the most wonderful time of the year is in full bloom, and I hope you're taking some moments to stop and enjoy it, this moment being one of those. I find myself just grabbing little moments here and there, especially with the kids, just so the season doesn't just blow right by. If you've never been to downtown Franklin, where we live, the storefront's on Main Street, I've told you before, it's like Magic this time of year. It looks like something straight out of a Norman Rockwell painting. But the kids know this about me I'll go out of my way, especially at dark and especially at this time of year, to drive downtown Franklin on the way home. We'll go straight down Main Street to see the tree. Every year it feels like they added a million more lights. We'll look at all the little eateries and the ice cream shops and the storefronts and we'll window shop right from our car window as we go. (laughs) If you're one of our patrons and you're coming to the Christmas brunch in downtown Franklin, you're going to get to see it firsthand and you're just going to know what I mean. But it's helpful to me, especially in the midst of a busy season, to just take little moments of rest. Even if it's just a little drive-by like that or a stop into your favorite coffee shop and get a latte with a friend, steal away a few moments together, it just makes A difference. So whatever you're doing right now, whether you're on your way to work, or you're headed out for a walk, or you're feeding the baby, this is a moment of soul care for you. So breathe in deep and enjoy it. My sweet friend, Molly Moody, who's out on the road with us right now for the Night of Hope tour, a family Christmas, and who you heard from a few episodes ago, and who I might say is stealing the show out on these dates. She's so original and special. Be sure to check out my website to see if we're coming to a city near you. We would love to have you visit us out on this tour. Anyway, back to Molly. She texted me the other night as she was leaving Arkansas from Thanksgiving, and she told me she was headed to town to get a hotel the night before our rehearsals for the tour. And she said she just needed to begin the next morning by herself with the Lord for what she deemed soul care. And I told her I was really proud of her for taking that moment to herself, I think the temptation would be for her to just text me and say, hey, can I come crash at your place? And then we'd end up staying up late or watching a Hallmark movie, knowing us. (laughs) And she wouldn't have gotten that time to just decompress before the tour started. And this is the first time she's really gotten to share her new songs live in this kind of a setting on a consistent basis, meaning for like a tour. And I love that she just needed a morning to herself as she sort of needed to invite Jesus into some things, she told me before she embarked out on this. And I just thought that was beautiful. That's the glorious and the mundane at its finest, being intentional with the moments that we have and caring for our souls and knowing when we need to care for our souls, especially in the midst of busy seasons, so that we're ready for the task at hand, whatever that may be. More on a little bit of that later, but I named this episode Home, Home on the Road for several reasons. One of them being that I am on the road right now with my entire family, as I've been telling you. You might not be physically on a tour like we are, but maybe you feel like your commute and your work schedule has you on the go. Maybe even has you feeling depleted right now. Maybe the minivan right now feels like your tour bus, and it feels like it just doesn't stop. I so get that and I've been there. So when I say, home, home on the road, I think it's one and the same with home, home on the go. As you can imagine, we've traveled for so many years that we've found that there's an art to it. And there's an art to figuring out what you need in order to sort of keep the pace and the peace at a level where you can not only function, but actually thrive. And that's the same for all of us in this pace that we're in on. You also live and learn as with everything, I guess, and you learn what works and what doesn't and what Molly practiced, which is caring for her soul, is one thing that you just can't do without, I've learned. Last Christmas on the tour, I sort of hit the ground running. I've told you this before, and I was actually already sick when we moved into rehearsals, and I didn't really know it. I remember looking at my manager on the second afternoon of rehearsals last year And telling him that I felt so weak that I could hardly stand up. I didn't have any other symptoms, really, just weakness. Well, that turned into a full virus, as you know, that led to the hearing loss that I experienced the next month in January, really kind of around Christmas. And that'll make you live and learn for sure. So I've just been so careful this time around to take the packing and preparing in little bits to try to take some mornings and evenings where I just kind of pretend I'm not preparing to pack five people and a dog to get on a bus for a month, (laughs) and where I pretend that it's all not only possible but completely normal (laughs) to be doing what we're doing. And somehow, in that posture of choosing rest rather than running ragged, it's like I'm breaking down a marathon into little short spurts. I was intentional to invite Jesus in this time around as well and to consecrate every part of the tour to Jesus. We've talked about consecration, making sure that I didn't get the cart in front of the horse. And I was so glad that I took those moments of soul care too, so that I was able to roll with the punches of the first 24 hours of the tour. They were interesting to say the least. (laughs) I mean, it's never any surprise to us that because there is an assignment ahead of us to carry the message of hope to the world around us when we're on these tours. There's also an assignment straight from the enemy to make sure that he at least makes us uncomfortable if he cannot outright shut us all down. The bus load in on the night before our first show in St. Louis ran a bit late because you have to actually learn to load the gear into the trailer with each tour. It's like a game of Tetris. And I can hardly look sometimes because I feel so bad that there's all these guys out there in the freezing cold loading and unloading a trailer just because I made a Christmas album And feel the need to share it with the world (laughs) But they worked tirelessly with smiles to make all of it happen And I'm just forever grateful But that first night, they were extra puzzled By the puzzle pieces of the gear and the trailer And so we didn't end up getting on the bus to try to get rolling Until about 12.45 a.m. That was after we had gotten all the way to the bus from home Which is about a 25-minute drive And I realized that I had left my hanging clothes in my closet which was the outfit I had set aside to wear on the stage each night. So I couldn't leave it behind. That's not something that you can just go easily shopping for at Target the next day. So while Nathan helped load the bus, Molly drove me back home to get my hanging clothes out of my closet. So finally, around 1.30 a.m., we were boarding the bus. So as I said, I decided to bring my little dog George on this tour because, you know, he had had those seizures about a month ago. So getting him acclimated to the bus kind of took a minute. So now we're at about 2 a.m. I was afraid to put him in his crate the first night because I didn't want him to whine and keep people up, which I didn't really know if he was going to whine and bark and keep people up. He's never really done that, but I didn't really know. I've never had him on a bus, and I didn't want to be that annoying person Who brought a dog on a bus with 11 humans? (laughs) Well, 2.30 a.m., George is in my bunk with me, which I think I've told you before that our bunks are literally about the size of a coffin. Well, sometimes bus companies will install DVD players inside each bunk so that if you're laying there, you can pull down the screen and watch a movie. I think people maybe used to use those like 10 years ago when DVDs were like kind of a thing. But I've not seen anyone in the last tours that I've been on, like in the last you know decade ever really pull them down and use them. So these DVD players, they're particularly chunky, and your bunk is already small. So I just wasn't used to having it there. And after I shut my light off in my bunk, you know, it was pitch dark, and I was settling in and I reached to sort of untangle my comforter at the bottom of my bed and you know, make sure George wasn't getting near the edge of the bunk because I was kind of midway up. It's kind of high, and I want him to fall. I can't even really explain to you how hard I whacked my forehead on the edge of that DVD player in the pitch dark, enough to give me a nice little goose egg the next day on the right side of my forehead. I hit it so hard, in fact, that I... Felt everything closing in like I was going to pass out in my bunk. Thankfully, I didn't. The tears started flowing, though, and I was wiping my forehead at the same time, trying to decide, these are tears, right, and not blood. (laughs) I reached down to wake up Nathan, who's in the bunk right below me, and he gets up and he's trying to assess what happened. He's looking at me in the dark. So he goes to the front of the bus to the fridge and comes back with a pack of frozen waffles to hold on my head which is the only thing frozen that we had on the bus. And I'll just say I've never been more grateful for frozen waffles in my life. (laughs) I think my goose egg would have been a lot uglier without them, I'll just say that. Finally, around 3 a.m., I think I drifted off and I left out the part that for about an hour before bus call, apparently the tour personnel couldn't find Ann (laughs) Boskamp, like she was missing and not answering her phone. Turns out she was curled up asleep in her rental car, waiting for the bus call, bless her heart. She'd been picked up about 4.30 in the morning, Canada time. And so she was there waiting until after midnight to board the bus. And I guess just kind of drifted off a little. Thankfully, they found her. (laughs) So glamorous, this touring life. Anyway, the next morning, I was sort of decompressing when I got word from Annie Rose that her suitcase was missing. So I go outside. I'm calming her down all the while. I'm assuring her that her bag was under the bus in what we call the bays. And that it was there. And there was a lot of stuff under there. We just needed to look through it. And lo and behold, I cannot find her bag. So we go back up into the bus. And I ask Nathan where her bag got loaded. And he just looks at me like he's seen a ghost. It's in that moment that he realizes that he had accidentally in the shuffle and in the puzzle of the load-in, had left Annie's bag in my car in the parking lot where we met the bus. So Nathan reaches for Annie to tell her how sorry he is. The tears are just already you know, flowing down the little girl's face because, you know, we girls, we need our stuff on the road. <laughs> so she dried her tears quickly, bless her heart, trying to be strong. And we keep reassuring her that everything's going to work out. So, most of my day was spent that next morning at Target restocking Annie for four days on the bus, plus an outfit for the stage and shoes and tights. It was intense, but she was sweet about it. And we got it all done and we rolled back to the venue and we went straight into sound check and then dinner. And then there we all were, circled up for prayer. And you could hear everyone just exhaling out loud almost. And Nathan began to pray. And you could just feel the room settle back into remembrance of what we were even there for. You could tangibly feel this sense of, oh yeah, Jesus, you're here with us. You've gathered us. You've come before us. You know every story of everyone who is going to gather in this place tonight, and you are worthy of all our attention and all our praise and all our best and all our breath right now. And that's what keeps us going. It has to be, otherwise we would have quit a long time ago, trust me. I remember in the very beginning of our traveling years, Nathan and I would tell people when they'd ask about life on the road, and he'd say, most of the time, honestly, it feels like us against the world, he would say, meaning that everything was just hard. Flying was hard. It still is. Bags and guitars get lost. Sometimes airline people aren't the most pleasant people in the world to work with. And sometimes they're actually godsends. But even when we decide to take a bus, buses are expensive. They break down. Buses are bumpy at night. Add children in the mix, being in a small space with sometimes 12 people, three kids and a dog included in that mix. And, you know, it's just unique. When it's time for sound check, it's like, There's these little gear gremlins that come out and make sure that there's just glitches and stuff. Sound systems feel like they have a mind of their own sometimes. And as I said, you do live and learn, and you can kind of get ahead of some of the glitches and figure out how to troubleshoot them better. But overall, it's unpredictable at best, and that's okay. But you can imagine how it's a worthy goal to work towards some kind of sense of home on the road. One thing that we've found that creates a sense of home is playing games together. We stayed up late that first night because we had a very short drive ahead of us and we knew we'd have lots of sleep time while the bus was sitting. So we just kind of splurged on staying up a little bit. I even let the kids stay up late to that first night. I mean like 30 in the morning late, but it was worth it. Molly is the queen of games, by the way, especially those icebreaker kind of games that you play in youth group or functions where you just need to kind of all just get over yourselves. And one of them is called the noise game. If you're it, you basically have to make the most ridiculous noise that can come out of your mouth. And you can only use your mouth. You can't use props or your hands. You can only use your mouth and make a noise. And then everyone has to go around the circle and mimic the noise that you just made to the best of their ability. And then you pick the person that you think best repeated your noise. Well, there were some moments of laughter where none of us were actually making any noise because we were laughing so hard. At one point, our drummer Garrett was literally curled in a ball on the floor because he was laughing so hard. (laughs) It was so fun and so good for our souls. And Molly and I were reflecting on the bus about it that next morning over coffee and just laughing at how joy and laughter is so good for the soul. It not only united us as a team in such a big way, but it's just good for the individual. And it definitely brought a sense of home. And it felt like we were just all siblings at grandma's house over Christmas break. (laughs) But after years of road life, I could probably write a book of just road stories. Most of them you wouldn't believe, most of them we actually can't publicly share for fear that it would sound like we're poking fun of people or scenarios, and maybe that we'd sound ungrateful because of life on the road. But unless you've experienced it, it's hard to describe. And the unglamorousness of it is actually, I think, what bonds you with the people that you're experiencing it with. A few weeks ago or episodes ago, I told you about our friends Raymond and Maria Turner. They used to be some of our traveling buddies in years past, and leading worship at church camps used to be a very familiar experience for us every summer. Camp beds, camp food, camp compensation, just camp life. I say camp compensation because the cost of just being out on the road sometimes is equal to or sometimes less than what you're actually getting paid to even be on the road, And it just becomes a wash. So there's that. (laughs) And that's still the case after all these years. I'm not complaining at all. I'm just telling you like it is. Anyway, I told you that we got to see Raymond and Maria at that songwriting retreat that we hosted in Cisco, Texas in October. And when Raymond saw us, he hugged Nathan and I. And he handed us a little gift from Maria, his wife, who wasn't there the first day of the retreat. And it took me a second, but after I realized what this little gift was referring to and that it was a camp reference from the road life in years past, we all started cracking up. See, years ago, Raymond and Maria were with us at this camp that we did in Texas. It was a week-long camp in the Inferno That is Texas in the summer. No water nearby. I don't even think that there was a pool at this camp. It was held on a college campus, and I'm pretty sure that the kids really just had dorms, a basketball court, and maybe like a tetherball stand to play with. (laughs) Since Nathan and I were married and Raymond and Maria were married, the only married housing type situation that they could figure out for us was for us to stay in the infirmary and sleep in hospital beds. So there's that. For starters, we didn't have any transportation for this particular camp. So, for one whole week, we were pretty much literally stuck there in this inferno in an infirmary. The camp food was just that it was camp food and not like the kind where you're like wow this is actually not bad for camp food it was actually pretty rough even for the guys in our band i remember who would eat just about anything it was just rough so by the second night after the last you know 3 hour service we were all hanging out and we're telling stories and one by one we began to admit out loud that we were just hungry Once one person sort of brought it up, then it was like the whole band started talking about food and if we could have anything in the world, what we would eat, that kind of thing, you know? So we had seen that the school had this mini store type thing and we could see food and snacks in it, but it was always closed, maybe even just shut down for the summer. But there was no green room. Type situation for us. We didn't have any bottled water. There were no snacks awaiting us in the infirmary near our hospital beds, (laughs) no vending machines that we could find. We were just stuck there to just dream about snacks and food until we could go through the breakfast line the next morning with, you know, the 400 other campers, which was fine. We live. But after I said, you know, three hour worship service, all we could do was just kind of dream together. Well, right about that time, an older gentleman that we knew worked at the camp came walking up. We knew he worked there because he had opened the door of our infirmary room with his big set of jingly keys on the first morning. Such a nice surprise, you know, to be sleeping in your hospital infirmary bed at camp with your husband next to you and his hospital infirmary bed (laughs) and a complete stranger using his jingly keys to just open the door and wake you up and come in. The best part was like there was literally no apologies. He just needed to get some things from where we were sleeping, and that was that. <laughs> so we knew he was maybe the groundskeeper or something, and he walked up to where we were talking and you know, telling our if-I-could-eat-anything-right-now stories. And he says, can I get y'all anything? Well, our bass player, Todd, he speaks up boldly because he was desperate. And he was like, honestly, He's like, we're starving. Do you guys have anything that we could eat this time of night? And the man with his gentle smile, he just warmly answers back. He's like, yes, come with me. I've got you covered. So we all literally jumped to our feet to follow him. We were like so excited that our dreams are about to come true. He walks down this long hall towards the store that we had seen the day before, and we all start looking at each other with our eyes bulging out, our tummies growling. We are secretly high-fiving each other behind his back as we know that we are about to hit the mother load of snacks. Well, he passes up the store, and it's still locked and shut down, and we're thinking, okay, maybe we're going like to the source of the store, maybe the room that supplies all the snacks. It's going to be like... You know, he's going to use his jingly keys. We're going to come in. Maybe we're going to like a kitchen. We're going to get to, you know, build a huge sub sandwich or something that's like several feet long. I mean, these are kind of like the things going through our mind right now. So we turn and we make a left down this long dark hall, all of us creeping behind him like Scooby-Doo and the gang. (laughs) Finally, we stop at this big door and he gets out those jingly keys again. And we're like, yes, this is it. After we go through that door, he uses his keys again. He opens another big door and he walks into that room and we're waiting like a few feet behind him, you know, maybe to turn on the lights and he's going to reveal the heavenly storehouse, the snack shack of all snack shacks. He reaches over onto what looks like a desk and he takes something and as he turns to us in the dark, he stretches out his arm and he reveals in the palm of his hand, a tiny glass bowl. And in the bowl, there were peppermint candies. Peppermint candies. And he says to us with his warm smile, take all you'd like. Well, our bass player, Todd, had already taken off down the hall running because he didn't want this sweet old man to see him bursting out laughing. (laughs) Raymond and Maria spill out onto the hall laughing, leaving Nathan and I there to reach into the little bowl in front of this man and grab some mints and say thank you before we started giggling too. We all run back down to the infirmary. And for the next hour, we are literally rolling, retelling this story in all of our vantage points. And even a decade later, here I am, actually more than a decade, I'm telling you this story. I think what's so funny about it was just like the depths of our desire for food that night in comparison with the old man's offering to us. Looking back, I mean, he probably didn't eat much past seven at that point in his life. You know, peppermint candies in his mind were just going to do the trick. So all that to say, when we saw Raymond at the songwriter's retreat, he brought in with him a small bag of peppermint candies as a gift for Maria. It's just these stories that continue to unite us after all these years. And it's funny, the more I've thought about that story, I've realized that there's a life lesson in it. It's kind of like what we talked about last episode Going into Thanksgiving with the fullness of Jesus, our pictures already filled to the room with Him so that He is who we're offering to the people around us. And we've sort of learned on the road to adjust our expectations. The depths of our desires have to be first fully met by Jesus. His fullness is not only able to meet our desires where they are, but actually fully fulfill those desires, like in an Ephesians 3 kind of way. Verse 17 through 20 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. I wonder what it would be like if we could really grasp that and live that. This is all the heart work that we talk about all the time. This is what allows His fullness to come in and do what it's intended to do. Verse 20 says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or even think, according to the power at work within us. According to the power at work within us. His power, not our own. But to stay connected to that source, our part is in the yielding, the abiding, and the leaning into Him. And it's being aware of your heart throughout the day and how is that work in your heart. It's that prayer of, God, show me where you're at work within me. And then it's that process of repentance that we've talked about, turning from our own thought patterns and places that we turn to that's just leading us to a dead end, really of resigning to things, maybe saying out loud or believing lies like, this hunger in me will never be satisfied. Maybe it's the deep desire and hunger to be loved, to be known, or to be cared for, I'm gonna get really vulnerable with you. I've already had a night on this Christmas tour where I was battling lies on the inside, almost the entire first part of the set. On the outside, it was up there with my sparkly lipstick and earrings and my black suede skirt. But on the inside, at least the first part of the night, there was this war going on inside of me. I came off the stage about midway and just kind of spilled my guts to Molly. And she was like, Christy, you need to go take that to Jesus. And I did. So during the 15-minute intermission, I went into the dressing room and I shut the door and I just went there with the Lord. I exchanged lies for truth. I was able to recognize that me looking to anything short of Jesus to fulfill me was like being handed a little glass bowl of candies instead of real food. Trusting in man or looking to them for any kind of fulfillment or response or putting any confidence in my flesh, it's like peppermint candies when you're famished. But looking completely to Jesus to meet your desire, it's being satisfied with the richest of foods. And that's indeed what He offers us. Psalm 63, verses 3 through 5, it says, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Referencing back to the beginning episodes of this season again, I read that excerpt from my coffee table book called The Home Within Us by Bobby Alpine. And he said, The world around us issues an invitation to question reality, and it ultimately forces us home. He says, Where is the place that mirrors our hearts? Where are we when we feel held and protected and whispered to? Where does the content of our intimate exchanges ring most true? And by answering the questions of our hearts, the stronger among us become agents of change, making choices that advance the marriage of our interior and exterior lives. I think of the house's cure, he says, always a safe place to mend From the demands of an insisting world. You, my dears, are agents of change. That's how I think of you. You're the redemptive edge of every part of society, nurses, teachers, social workers, full-time students, mamas, whatever it is that you do, you are an agent of change. We've looked at this beautiful theme from so many angles, like the home that God is for us, the home He's building in us. And my prayer is that you've been able to grasp not only what is available to you as His child, that you've been growing young towards Him, like we talked about, remembering that you are an heir of Christ, but also that you've been chosen to represent Him to the world around you, and you have so much to offer in His name. Consider the house that you are. Consider that you are the home, home on the go. So yes, there's an art to taking home with you on the road and on the go, but remember all in all that you are God's house on the go. Meeting people right where they're at, being a warm welcome to so many people in need of God's home in their own heart. Let me take a minute to read God's word over you today. I've already read some over you, but as I've said, this is the most powerful part of any episode that I could release. It's just me speaking bonafide fide truth over you today. So here's Ephesians 2, 13 through 22. Just receive it over your life today. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, That He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him we have both access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens." But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God the Spirit." What I love about this scripture is that it clearly expresses that we are being built, meaning that God is not finished with us yet. So grace upon grace over all of us because of that. Amen. And also, I love that it clearly shows that we are not being built on our own. We're not being built out on the edge of a cliff somewhere in the middle of nowhere It says that we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. Isn't it beautiful to think that you and me were being built together today? joined and growing upon the foundation and bedrock beneath us, that is Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the precious, costly, trusted, and tried cornerstone who is our sure foundation. 1 Peter 2, 4-6 through six says, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, I looked up several translations of 1 Peter 2.6, and I love that last part. It says, Whoever believes in Him, this sure cornerstone will not be put to shame. Well, another translation says, The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Another says, Whoever believes need never be shaken, or they will not be disturbed. Another says, The one who believes will be unshakable. And last, I love this. It says, he that believeth that shall not make haste. I take that to mean they will not jump to conclusions, but remain sure and unshakable. Well, today's guest, she's a precious little agent of change. And you're going to get to literally eavesdrop on a conversation that we had in my kitchen at my farm table, because I press record, fully intending to have a proper start to the podcast But this little gal was so inquisitive and lovely that I never even stopped to do like a proper podcasty welcome. I never really said, well, I'm sitting here today with Jenna Claire Mason, a new friend I've come to know really through this podcast. My friend Annie Downs, who has a podcast that I'm sure you're dialed into, has had Jenna Claire on her podcast twice now, and they've become really good friends. So I was really first connected to Jenna Claire through Annie telling me that Jenna Claire had mentioned the Glorious and the Mundane podcast on her interview with her on her That Sounds Fun podcast. Well, we became text friends, and up until just a few weeks ago, I'd actually never met her. So I actually got to have her at my farm table, as I said. Jenna Claire has just finished a 20-month tour as Glinda the Good Witch with the traveling cast of the Broadway musical Wicked. And when she and I first started texting several months ago... I had just felt impressed about the theme of the podcast being There's No Place Like Home. And honestly, I kid you not, I didn't even think about all the ways that it tied in with her. But I was just thinking about this aspect of home on the road because it's a super huge part of my life and, of course, hers. But it was Jenna Claire who mentioned the tie-in, There's No Place Like Home. If you've never seen the musical Wicked, it's wonderful. It's told from the perspective of the two witches of the land of Oz, as in the timeless tale The Wizard of Oz. And you learn why the Wicked Witch acts so wicked, as you learn about all the twists and turns of her childhood that lead her to behave the way she does. And you see that the two witches grew up as unlikely friends who have very different personalities and viewpoints and upbringings. All in all, it's a story of learning to look at the heart and seek to understand each other. And it's super fun. Even though Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz is not actually in the musical as a character, you see how her journey to Oz is intertwined through the whole thing. And it's just so fun how it all comes together and it makes you want to go home and watch The Wizard of Oz all over again. But when Jenna Claire was on Annie's podcast, she mentioned that the Glorious and the Mundane podcast had been like her church on the road. And well, of course, that meant so much to me. And of course, it got me thinking about the elements of home on the go. But it wasn't until I really sat down to prepare for this podcast that the Lord whispered to me that we are the home on the go that He uses us to carry His home to the hearts of others. And let me tell you, this young woman, she carries the home of God in her eyes, in her voice, in her gentleness, her whimsy and laughter and kindness. And I told her this before she left my house, that she has a settledness to her life that truly impressed me. Because honestly, much of her life is on the go. And what I really noticed about Jenna Claire from the moment she walked in Was that she was present. I could tell that she had carved out time to just be with us. All three of my kids met her at the door that morning, which was just so sweet. You know, it's regular old homeschool day, you know, Glenda the Good Witch coming to your door. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like when she's saying happy birthday to me through a voice text, and Nathan was sitting there next to me, and he's like, Glenda the Good Witch, just saying happy birthday to you. (laughs) But she just took time. I never saw her phone out. She was just really there to be present with us. She looked each of the kids in the eye. She asked them multiple questions about themselves and their loves and their interests. And I know that it just made them feel so seen and known. Uh, We happened to be putting up our tree that morning, and we had her take the time to hang an ornament, kind of just, you know— Honorary, one of the first ornaments we chose a blonde princess in a ball gown, you know, because that was fitting. But she just held our little George, my little dachshund, like he was just her long lost child. She was kissing him on the forehead while she's asking questions about our home and our lives. There just wasn't one bit of hurriedness or hustle. And it not only blessed me, but it challenged me to do the same, to just be present with people, to be inquisitive, to be settled on a sure foundation, aware of the home that I have in God, but the home that I am because I'm being built into it even now. Traveling with a Broadway musical, I can only imagine, plops you right in the middle of a melting pot of people and cultures and belief systems, viewpoints from A to Z, I'm sure. But as she left my house that day, I thanked God that Jenna Claire is a home on the road. Wherever she is, Her life speaks volumes of who God is to those around her. So enjoy eavesdropping on my morning with sweet Jenna Claire Mason, and keep being the beautiful home on the road that you are. You all bless me more than you know, and I send much love to you today. I'll talk to you soon.
1: But it was so sweet in Tulsa, texting with you and having, you know, something to look forward to beyond the the world of— of Wicked on the road totally. to, to come
0: to Keeper's Branch. Oh,
1: it was so fun seeing your hometown, too. Thank you for sending me your, your list of recommendations.
0: Oh, I love it. Did you get to go any like to those places like around? Like? Um,
1: I tried to go to the place where you told me you had your wedding portraits yeah, done, yeah. and the day we went, I think they were closed okay. Monday, Tuesday, and Monday's our yeah. day off. Okay, but I did drive up to the gate with my husband. <laughs> and oh. I said, Oh, we can't get in. Um, but I told you I, I loved the gathering place, and I, I think it's the largest privately funded park in the US, but it was, Ugh. it totally blew me away. Like it was, yeah, Disney World meets Crockett Park. <laughs> Just the ultimate play place for kids and grown ups because yeah, you walk around and you, you feel like a kid. You see this giant slide and you go, I want to go to that. I cannot wait. Like it's, Tulsa needed that. They needed mm-hmm. it. I think it, I know that they wanted it to kind of have it help them be put on the map. And yeah, I think it, I think it definitely will. I think you're gonna you're gonna love it. Oh, having grown up there, I mean, I can't imagine if I came back to Nashville one day and and that had yeah. appeared along the yeah. river. <laughs> Where did this come from? Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. The audience is really good. Good the theater was beautiful. Um, they gave me I don't know if I told you this. I got to meet the mayor. Oh my goodness! And what's the area code for Tulsa? Uh 918. 918. So 918 is, I guess, Tulsa Day. So oh. it was September 18th. <gasps> Seriously? And we got to meet the mayor and he gave me and Mary Kate, the guy who played who plays Alphaba, um, keys to the city. <laughs> Which <laughs> was really sweet. So it was also sweet. fun too because the guy who plays The Wizard, he is from Tulsa too. Oh,
0: really? So
1: it was really sweet for him getting
0: to put oh, his I I down. Bet. I love that so much. Well, Tell me about your hometown. We're sitting in it.
1: Oh, we're sitting in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brentwood technically, but Franklin has always had a special place in my heart. In mm-hmm. fact, I feel like if I ever moved back home, if you will, I would want to be in Franklin.
0: So sweet. It's all one thing to me. I know right? everybody like, you know, it's which I understand. If you grew up here, you're like, I'm from Brentwood. Um, but yeah we say either Nashville or Franklin we just claim all of it right good yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um well I just usually when I'm you know out on the road and people ask her in front of me I always say Nashville just yeah nobody knows Brentwood definitely necessarily but totally but definitely Nashville my mom is from Memphis and went to Vanderbilt for Aww. school and yeah, she never left.
0: <laughs> so I love it. fell
1: in love with, with Nashville when she was a teenager and, and decided that's that's where she wanted to be. And she and my dad um, met at Young Life Camp, actually. Oh. Um, my dad's from Chicago. My mom's from Memphis. And they met at Young Life Camp in Colorado, which is funny, yes. like in neither of their hometowns. <laughs> um, so they, they love the mountains. They love Young Life. And yeah, and then they fell in love and so sweet. So he, he followed her to Memphis and then to and then to Nashville and hmm. so this is where I was born and raised. My mom's a nurse, so she had my two older brothers in a hospital. And then with me and my little brother, she had a midwife. So I was actually born <laughs> I remember hearing in, that on Andy's yeah, podcast. Yeah. I was born in my in my in my parents' in my parents' house, the house where they
0: still live. So that is Really amazing. You don't hear that very often, right? And for someone to have like stayed in the same house, I always had that like dream, but couldn't happen. So so I feel like a real authentic Brentwoodian. Yeah, (laughs) because
1: there's there's no hospitals and that's true in Brentwood. You were genuinely (laughs) born, genuinely a Brentwood kid. (laughs) So yeah, I lived in I lived in Brentwood in that house till college. So the first eighteen years of my life. That was Mm. all I knew. And it was funny. I was thinking back on how, you know, for the first 18 years, it was one home. And then for the last decade, I don't even even know if I could count how many homes I've been in. If you count all the tours and and the different hotels and Airbnbs that you stay in, the places that you you claim as home for the moment, you know, I don't even know if I could count them all. Wow. (laughs) And my husband and I have moved around a handful of times as well. So. Yeah. so, tell me how y'all met. So, my husband's youngest sister, his little sister, Becca, I met her my freshman year of college at Elon mm-hmm. University in North Carolina. Okay. It's a great liberal arts school. Aww. And um, I, early on after getting there, I joined InterVarsity, which was the Christian organization on campus. And one of the first meetings, girls were standing up and saying, you know, join our small group, join our – but this girl, Becca, she, she stood up and told us about um, her small group. That was uh, – it was called Crazy Love, and mm. it, we, they were reading the Francis Chan book, Crazy oh. Love. So I thought she seemed like a lot of fun, and I, I thought I wanted to be in her group. So my freshman year – I really got to know Becca, and I just—I still look up to her so much. I looked up to her so much, and she was such an amazing mentor, and I thought just one of the most incredible Bible study leaders I've ever had. She did such a good job at truly guiding the conversation, Mm -hmm. and I thought she was so—I still think (laughs) she's uh, so wise, and it was never this platform for her to call girls in and say, well, this is what I think about this, and this is what I think about this. It was truly this um, beautiful leadership— Position an example for me of, um, you know, facilitating community and then yeah, just really bestowing wisdom and and guiding the conversation. So I loved her, and she. That summer, I came. I came in. I guess in the spring and said, I got this. Dream job. I'm gonna play Millie and thoroughly modern Millie in, in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. Everybody come <laughs> in Finley, Ohio. And um and she was like, I I live near there. So that first Sunday I went to church with her and her family and and met her big brother. She has two big brothers, but um I ended up falling for Eric, my prince Eric. <laughs> Oh, and I, rem- I was kind of at a at a weird place at that point. I guess in relationships, I had kind of gotten out of a serious um, high school relationship mm-hmm. that had had gone on on and off for like four years, and um, I remember. Praying that summer, you know, for my future husband and and making a list of of all the all the dreams, right? (laughs) I got I got up and and read that list at at my rehearsal dinner. I was like, These are all the things I dreamed for in a husband that are Eric Moffat. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, But I remember that summer thinking, wow, if nothing else, God, like if nothing else happens with with this person that I'm getting to know, I feel like you've given me a, a, a glimmer of hope, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That there are guys out there that that love the Lord, that are fun and, and charismatic and engaging and Wow. And so I just I just felt yeah, I felt hope for for the future of mm. mankind. <laughs> <laughs> mankind. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, so things kind of unfolded. I actually it was one day I I heard him Playing guitar, we were downstairs having lunch, and I heard music wafting from the second floor, mm. and um, and it was Eric playing guitar. So Becca and I wandered up there, and I think for the next hour or two, just pulled up guitar tabs and sang together. Oh. And I was like, "Oh, he's he's dreamy. He's dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah." And oh, we that. made some music together, and and um, we kept um, going to the same church that summer, and. Uh, Cedar Creek, Cedar Creek in in Perrysburg, Ohio. And yeah, it it really just unfolded really Mm -hmm. naturally. Um, One weekend when all the kids would kind of hang out that particular Fourth of July weekend, uh, Becca was visiting a friend in Boston and uh, her other brother, Mark, was visiting friends up at the lake. And so it was just kind of me and Eric in town and yeah. Um, he got off work early from Jay Alexander's. Oh, <laughs> I remember it. that's where he was working mm-hmm. that summer, and we went and watched fireworks, and Aww. it's been fireworks ever since. Oh, <laughs> love it. Yeah, but then we were long distance. Yeah. He um he studied aviation science in Denver, wow. and I was in North Carolina. So, wow. and I was just going into my sophomore year, so it was there was mm. a, you know a big time difference, which. It makes, I think, long distance even harder when yeah. you're not even on the same clock, really, for sure. <laughs> um, so we did long distance through college. We were got engaged. We were engaged my senior year of college, mm. and now we've been married five and a half years and still, oftentimes, balancing the, yeah. the long distance game. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. I yeah, I want to ask you a little bit about more of that later of just kind of life on the road and, and, mm-hmm. and maybe even just like disciplines and things right. that you've had to put in place. You know what and, it's like. Yes, I do.
1: <laughs> it's been something that's comforting to me listening to your podcast mm-hmm. is is life on the road is hard. Yeah, it is. I think people come to, you know, to concerts or musicals and think, oh, this looks glamorous, yeah. which it is. It's a dream, right? Yeah, it's totally a dream, absolutely. but it doesn't come without its yeah. huge challenges, too.
0: Yeah. Well, take me back. I mean, I, I want to know a little bit just about, like, you know, I— when I go see uh, a Broadway show or mm-hmm. a concert or, you know, or even watching a movie, um, you know, I will often it doesn't happen every time, but like I'll have like sometimes like a visceral reaction. I mean, where like I mm-hmm. almost wanna like I call it like holy spirit cry where like it's in your gut. Right. <laughs> and um that'll kind of happen out of nowhere. Um I've told my audience before that um I it happens when I watch horse races for whatever reason Interesting. or like just like um Different things will move me in a way and like sometimes it is like being at a Broadway show and just really seeing um, you know a person in 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 this moment of being able to belt something out that and it gives you that like sense of um like wow uh, God is with us like right. you know and that can, can come out of a, a human being I've had that experience um what was it like for you I know I've, I heard on Annie's uh, podcast were you 13 when you first saw um it was wicked when wasn't my, it?
1: Yeah, I saw wicked when I was 13. The first
0: uh, what was your first Broadway show? Well, I the first time I ever went to New York, I'm um, a late bloomer, was when I was like in my young 20s. Mm-hmm. So, um I can't remember honestly like I know we saw The Lion King, I know we saw there was Classics. this is hilarious but you're going to laugh. There was a, a sh- I guess it's just on for like a short little stint, but like there was a, um a Titanic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But we saw Rent that weekend wow. as well. That's um, amazing. Do you know
1: if, if the show had, we have to look up the dates. I wonder I if it, because it's such a cult classic. Right? Yes. <laughs> I wonder if it had yes. just opened if you saw the original cast. And, I,
0: I think maybe it was. And I definitely had some like crybaby moments in that on mm-hmm. some of the songs. Um, but Nathan Gosh, and I that were music just. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Nathan and I were just remembering that. Um the first time we saw Wicked was the fall of O six, which would have been Anna Gastar, like yes. um, as alphabet. Mm-hmm. and that was a fun- I got to yeah. see her
1: too. She was funny she, she was, was a funny alphabet funny. yeah, <laughs> she
0: brought so much humor to uh-huh, the so that was kind of surprise, kinda, surprise yeah, totally. <laughs> so what was that like I mean, kind of like when you first saw all of that, like and maybe kind of you know, I talk about themes threaded through, mm-hmm. um so as a child, you know, what were those things maybe? you know, back in the day that you, that first kind of drew you to like all of this? And I definitely. That's a loaded question. Right.
1: (laughs) I definitely, I always say musical theater was in my, in my bones (laughs) because we were raised on the musical theater classics, Um, movie musicals, Sound of Music and Singing in the Rain. And the first soundtracks I owned were my Fair Lady and Annie and what? Annie Get Your Gun. All the Annie's. <laughs> <laughs> All the Annie's. Um, so those, I mean, when my friends were listening to, to pop albums and Spice, not that like, I didn't listen to Spice Girls because I did, but the lyrics I wanted to memorize were, you know, can't get a man with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Reba McEntire. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I started auditioning for just little musical, like community theater productions. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't get cast in the first couple that I auditioned oh. for. <laughs> I remember going to my third grade teacher who I loved and telling her that I didn't get cast in a musical and a community theater production. And she told me that. She told me an inspirational story about how Michael Jordan didn't make his first basketball team or in high school. Yeah. I remember. Mm-hmm. That stuck with me. Thanks, Mrs. Samuels. Oh, Samers. yeah. Thank <laughs> you. And um, ended up getting another community theater show that year and doing Annie the next year at my um, – all girls summer camp in North Carolina. And um, in fourth grade, though, this was this was a game changer. I saw I went to New York for the first time with my parents, and my mom took me to see Les Mis, oh. which is a lot for yeah, for sure for a fourth grader. But my mom did a really good job. At, it's totally sung through. There's no mm. there's no words spoken yeah. Yeah. so she talked to me through the story before we even went and I think that was really helpful but oh my goodness in retrospect now I think it's so cool that that was the first show I saw and you know the the sweeping orchestrations of course but then yeah. just this beautiful story of forgiveness and redemption mm. and so um yeah I remember asking her people do this for a living. Yeah, <laughs> This isn't just an after-school activity. <laughs> isn't that and um, definitely started getting more plugged into singing and dancing lessons. But then seventh grade was, was the game changer when I saw the original cast on Broadway. And um, I was with my dad this time. It was on a, a business trip. And the show had only been open for a few months. And I remember the concierge at the at the front desk was like, "Oh, you should take your daughter to see this new show, Wicked." And I grew up, I guess, movie musicals, but I loved The Wizard of Oz. I had all these figurines, and um, I mean, another beautiful story, and the way fantasies woven in, and yeah. you know, black and white and color, and the mm-hmm. songs, and so I already loved The Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wicked. Wicked took my heart uh, when I when I saw it for the first time, and and I still remember it so vividly. But I looked at my dad in intermission and said, "I'm going to be Glinda someday." <laughs> so, and then, yeah, I think well, I kind I of had a one-track mind after that to mm. to chase to chase this dream, and that, you know, not without failure and rejection along the way. Yeah. Definitely, um, I went. I told you I went to go visit my high school yesterday, but it's like I walk I my one of the biggest lessons i learned in high school was how to deal with rejection yeah <laughs> granted there's a, a lot of really talented mm-hmm. kids here in music city but it's i mean i did not get a single role or solo that i wanted in my middle school and high school years <laughs> so i don't know wow. what honestly possessed me to to think like i can go i can go be on broadway but i did have incredibly Supportive parents and, and mm. teachers that that encouraged me, and then yeah, just this this dream that God had placed on my, on, uh, my, on my I heart, but I think in some ways, I had an advantage because at, at college, I was um, you know training with kids who who had had gotten every single part and, gotcha. and it, it sets you up in a, in a different way to, mm. to deal with the fact that auditioning, especially in New York, means you're going to hear no a lot. Right. More than you hear yes definitely right. <laughs> you're gonna mm. you're gonna hear no and I'm, I'm sure it, it feels the same way sometimes in in the music industry
0: yeah, absolutely that was actually one of my questions for you was um you know what were some of those things that you were taught you know kind of how to how to deal with that and maybe I guess God had put that dream in your heart, and so maybe was that the thing that you were just like I know I'm supposed to do this but like what beyond that kind of were there things that you were taught and how to deal with that like on the especially being so young honestly I think it's still hard yeah
1: it's it's still hard to to hear no sometimes especially if you feel in your heart like oh I thought that was really right right um so a lot of that is 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 prayer yeah (laughs) and and seeking wisdom and Mm -hmm. and and staying staying positive yeah and I feel fortunate that I have had um, some success along the way, and and when it's right, it's right. It's like, exactly, and yeah, t- timing, timing is everything. And I think God shows His sovereignty in His timing. And I auditioned for Wicked a, a good handful of times before I ever even got it. And I know that when when it actually happened, it was it was at, at just the right time. Yeah, and for a while, it's not called
0: understudy, right? Standby, standby. Mm-hmm. And- I was the
1: standby first in and, okay. and New York, and that was really cool. So my only job was to be backstage ready to, ready to go on if, if they needed me. So I did that for 16 months, and I went on 26 times, which means wow. eight shows a week, do the math, for 500-something shows. I was just hanging out backstage. Wow.
0: And so… Being like,
1: I'm on Broadway, but <laughs> I feel like I'm just sitting on the couch. <laughs> Technically. My name's in the playbill, and yet all I can do is color this postcard. (laughs) You know, those adult coloring books. I got the adult like coloring postcards. So then I felt like I was spending all this time coloring it, but then I could send it off to a friend and that felt
0: more productive. Right. Exactly. (laughs) A little gift. Making gifts backstage. Um, Wow. That's, I mean, so incredible. And like, what would, what would cause you to have to like, or to get to be in the show? Like someone's
1: out. Well, you always hope, of course, that the reason you're going on is because someone has to go to a wedding or a baby shower mm-hmm. or, or go on a vacation to Hawaii. Right. But, but sometimes it is, you know, someone's sick. Someone has a cold and right. can't sing those high notes that day or tweaked their ankle or something. Yeah, gotcha. Or it's, it's, your, it's your time to shine. Yeah. Ready, set, go. <laughs> like from the couch to the bubble. Totally. <laughs> oh. I remember there was one time where I, I didn't go on for three months and it's truly terrifying <laughs> to go from you know you sit in the back of the house, you watch from the sound booth, you go to rehearsals, but mm. it is a totally different ball game to be on stage, yeah, in front of thousands of people versus you know doing it in a rehearsal room in mm. your street clothes, yeah, because that twenty pound ball gown <laughs> <adds> <laughs> makes a difference. Definitely, it makes a big difference. Wow. <laughs>
0: So you just kind of finished up from, it was like 20 months? Right. right. So I went right from doing
1: it as a standby to to going out on the road. Wow. And that was, it was, a, at the time it was a huge transition. Um, my husband and I were for the first time living and working in the same place. And it was about a month together oh. <laughs> before we got the call that I was um, going to oh. head out on the road. And I'd previously done a couple of tours and I said, Eric and I kind of decided together, no more touring. The only reason I would ever tour again would be if it was for Glenda and Wicked. Because okay. it, it wasn't this long-time dream role, right? Okay. So when we got the call, we kind of looked at each other and went, well, this is it. Here, yeah. here we go. And um, my initial contract was only five months, and then three months, and then six months, and then another six months. So it, it kind of it, it built from there, which I think is, I'm glad, I'm happy for, for how it played out because I think… If we had gotten the call that, hey, you're going out on the road for 20 months, it would have felt sure. so daunting. But in mm-hmm. the, the fact that it came kind of in these um, chewable chunks yeah. <laughs> was a little more manageable for us to yeah. wrap our heads and our hearts around. Yeah. But it's as hard as it was transitioning into the time on the road, I feel like it's been just as challenging in some ways transitioning out of the road just because mm. you get so everything your routine becomes so familiar, you know you're yeah. used to having a call time every day, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you get used to the excitement of of moving cities and yeah and airbnbs every few weeks, yeah, so yeah, I felt leading up to the end of my time on the road. I felt super resistant to to leaving this chapter just because it has mm-hmm. been so good and and thank god like i'm 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 glad that. I wasn't saying, Oh my goodness, get me out of here <laughs> yeah for sure I'm, I'm glad that that it was such a positive experience, but I remember actually being in Tulsa
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and sitting walking to the gym with my husband and sitting down and crying and being like, I just don't know if i'm if I'm ready to go, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So you guys were real intentional. I've heard you say before that um, he comes out to see you quite a bit, right? Yes. What's that look like? Well, his dad's a pilot, which has been
1: awesome with um, flight advantages. Yeah. So he he flies standby. Um, With my first tour, we did we saw each other every three weeks. Mm. My second tour, we moved to. Um, every other week. Mm -hmm. And then I did a show in Vegas and we moved to every week and then we never went back. And we've been doing that for about five years. Yeah. Five years, four years, three years, three years we've been doing every, yeah, every week. So
0: yeah, once you move to every week, it's hard to
1: to, to space it out. (laughs) Is it the
0: same day each week or do you just kind of like whatever works with
1: we always tried to schedule it for a Monday, Tuesday. Because you have Mondays um, off. Because I have Mondays off, yeah. right? If, so, That's if good. he came on the weekends, yeah, I would never see him because <laughs> 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 we have a show Friday night to Saturday to Sunday. So, right, it just if it would be uh, really full with musicals and not a,
0: a lot of downtime mm-hmm. to to just play. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram a little video of you surprising him that you guys stayed like downtown in nashville i watched that it was so cute didn't (laughs) you like kind of like trick him yeah i tricked him so cute. (laughs) sorry
1: honey i think it was worth it um uh, my friend mary kate and i had done a photo shoot at the hermitage and i had become friends with with the manager and and i was like i always wanted to stay there we got married our reception was in downtown nashville but it was like it was pretty pricey and i think we ended up like staying one night at the Brentwood Hilton and one night at my parents' house before we went on our honeymoon, but we said, "Oh, someday, someday we're gonna stay at the oh, Hermitage." Love it. <laughs> so I knew that the right time would would present itself. So um, after the photo shoot that day, we uh, went back home and. My mom said something to Eric like, oh, I left my phone at the Hermitage and could, could you go get And I think he actually ended up volunteering. She knew he would. He's, a, he's an upstanding guy. <laughs> we had a lot of family and she was hosting a dinner. So he was like, I'll go get it. So I accompanied him and he didn't know, but I had packed a little suitcase and put it in the trunk and, and I pulled up to the hotel and, and he walked inside to look for the phone and he's, he's at the front desk going... Yeah, we're looking for Jules Mason's phone. Do you have? And he, the poor—he hadn't been given a heads up. The man oh. behind the desk—he's so he's looking, and he's like, "I don't have it." Oh. In the meantime, I I parked and and started walking up behind him with a little rolling suitcase. So cute. But so then he turned around and oh, yeah, he, there's there's a video on Instagram. You can see the surprise on oh. his face. He was so excited. That's adorable. So a little a little staycation when I was um, doing Wicked and. In April here. Yeah.
0: So you kinda you've had to be intentional in a lot of different spaces. Um in fact, like, um, I'll get texts from you every once in a while, just as you're preparing, maybe, and you've got your glorious in the mundane
1: mug. Mug. My mug. Everybody (laughs) on tour. My Mary Kate knew. She's like, That's your favorite mug. (laughs) And it always had pink lipstick smeared on the side. from, from, From from my from my character, but so yeah, sweet. it was the first perfect size. It fit just in, I traveled with a little Nespresso machine. Yeah. So it fit just perfectly. And yeah, it's what I, it's what I asked for, for, for Christmas. One of my, so when I first got out on the road or when it, I think when it first became yeah. available online, yeah. I, like, I need that mug. Oh, <laughs> I, I had actually, it. um the gal, so last summer I was in Boston for seven weeks, which was an amazing oh, way to spend the I summer. Did. And two of my best girlfriends, Ellie and Shay, were in town visiting me. Um, the three of us love each other, and we did InterVarsity in college, and we um, lived together at one point, and they were staying with me. And I think we were just kind of chatting about, you know, what are ways in which you're, you're being fed spiritually. And it was Shay that told me about your podcast. Oh, you. <laughs> so then I started listening to it. I remember the first episode I listened to was um, – your episode of Ellie Holcomb, yeah, and I remember just walking across Boston Commons, getting weepy, oh. <laughs> just like your friendship and and her talking about her relationship with their daughters and then yeah. their relationship with each other, it's so tender. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and so
1: yes, became a became a faithful listener, and actually initially sent a mug to my friend Shay just to say you know thank you for. Wow. for introducing me to, to this podcast that I, that I love so much yeah. and it's been, meant so much to me on the road. And mm-hmm. then, and yes, and then, of course, I said, oh, I need to get a mug too.
0: Oh, <laughs> I love it. So have you had to be intentional, like, um, with just sort of surrounding yourself with things that will, you know, remind you of home, yes, but even just that sense that God is a home for you, like, what has that been like on the road and kind of preparing and being away from people you love and things that are familiar being on the
1: road is definitely tough, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you miss um, the familiarity of home. And yeah. even if you're away for a weekend, you know, missing going to church and and having yeah. your church family. And um, I definitely grew up with a strong church family, and mm-hmm. and loved spending spending my Sundays at church. Had a great church um, through college that I loved, and and with the first couple of tours that I did, my roles were a little less demanding. Mm-hmm. So whatever city we were in. You know, with those tours, it was a different city every week. I would just look up Sunday morning, whatever church was the closest, mm-hmm. and and try to walk. And, and that was really cool because, you know, I got to see a church in, in Cleveland, Ohio, in Appleton, Wisconsin, and, and kind of yeah. all over and see how how people all over were worshiping Sunday morning. And hmm. um, I'd say it was different with this job yeah. uh, because this is definitely the most demanding yeah. thing I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> just... Physically, vocally, emotionally, spiritually, yeah. it was it, it, it took a lot, especially on the weekends when you do yeah. five shows in forty eight hours, essentially. Mm. So Sunday mornings looked less like going and finding a church and more often uh, a live stream
0: yeah. or a
1: podcast. Or, um, but I definitely was missing out on that church home. Yeah. Um. So that that meant also to just you know doing doing my own quiet times and, and journaling and you know facetiming Shay or yeah, Ellie <laughs> yeah um, and there's other people of faith definitely on the yeah. road as well you know a friend that'll that'll pray for you but yeah i last Sunday <laughs> I wasn't even expecting it but my husband actually moved us from New York to New Jersey this summer when he changed jobs mm. so he he found this whole new home for us and I wasn't even there and wow. he did a really good job <laughs> but he's found this this new church home for us and he's been going for a couple months so I got to go for the first time oh, last week awesome. and Christy I wasn't prepared <laughs> I was walking and thinking oh this is a nice building oh they look nice oh this person greeted me like how sweet kind of just like normal Mm. first time seeing a a new church right yeah we walk in the band's playing and they were awesome and we kind of found our seats and I turned and I looked at the stage and there was a sign that said home (gasps) on the on the church stage and I burst Um, into tears (laughs) because it's it's um. like I hadn't even thought I hadn't even I think Thought through the fact that you know, not only have I missed out on having a church home, but I've missed out on going to church with my husband. Yeah, and um, even when I was the standby in New York, he was living upstate, and I was I was going to church with girlfriends. But it's like we haven't been able to do that together in mm-hmm. years. And I, I, yeah, you 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 go to you go to survival mode. You know, you do what you can, and but then there was just this. I just felt overwhelmed with with gratitude of of oh, my gosh, it it felt like home, and and having him there with me next to me. It's it's a a different kind of Sunday morning, you know? (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I hope you get a good season of that just for a little bit in this break of just kind of getting – will you get to rest?
1: Yeah, so I just – I finished my time on the road about a week and a half ago. Wow. And I definitely took – took last week to rest and see a few Broadway shows. (laughs) Good. Um, And um, this week, um, my husband and I are are running around and and seeing some family here in in Atlanta. But, yeah, then I'm going back home and Mm. definitely finding a new rhythm and a new routine. Oh, this is a sweet story. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband came, our last city that we we finished, and me and um, Mary-Kate, who plays Alphaba. Um, we finished in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Which, have you ever played in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Yes. It is very hard to sing in Albuquerque. Yes. I had no oxygen. idea. The, <laughs> Did you have to have oxygen? Yes. Yeah. I had no idea the altitude. I didn't, I didn't know. It's higher mm. than Denver. Yeah. So I was not expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, my gosh, the first – few shows we did there were some of the hardest shows I had done since the since I had first gone on the road because wow. it, it was just – it was so hard to get your breath. Mm. You know, you're running around and, and bouncing around as, as Glinda on stage, <laughs> and I was feeling a little woozy, but they had wow. oxygen tanks for us yeah. on stage, and um, after – they said it would take a couple of days. I think it took me a solid week, and wow. then – near okay. I had another week and then it was time to go. But <laughs> got wow. used to it. Electrolytes, I think is the mm-hmm. key, I know now. Mm-hmm. And um so I had family and friends come out for our final show, which was really sweet. So so Eric and I were there and and he was there for the you know the grand finale out on the road and then we traveled back home together. And it was an all day of travel from New Mexico back to oh, New yeah. Jersey and we walked in the in the front door, and I noticed almost right away over on the coffee table, there was two big books. <laughs> and I walked over and um, they were two brand new Bibles. And mm-hmm. I opened it and it was dated October 29th, the day I was getting home. And it had a whole note to him about like this new season of life and this new chapter we were entering into, and um, how he just wanted, you know, the word to be at, at the center of our marriage and in this time of mm-hmm. togetherness and and that. You know, he had this dream of you know, starting the day together every day, mm. um, reading the word together, and and it was it was sweet. Like obviously, we have wow. our old Bibles that we love, but it was I think a beautiful picture of this new beginning and this new chapter. This new chapter to yeah. have this this new Bible and then with this you know sweet love note in the front. Oh. <laughs> so I've, of course, bursting into tears and oh. um, and so we've been doing that. We're we're starting the day with in Proverbs and, yeah. and s- seeking wisdom and encouraging and, and praying for each other. Mm. That's. So Amazing. here we are. We're in a new season. I <laughs> oh, love it so much. Yeah.
0: What will you miss from being on the road? I mean, I know there's probably lots of things, but. Oh, man. Or or anything. You're like, bye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, the, the gal who, Mary Kate, I've I, I referenced yeah. her a few times. Yeah. She definitely became. Uh, a real life sister to me. So yeah. uh, I FaceTimed with her last night and I said, I just miss going to work with you every day yeah. and telling this, this story that that I really believe in. I think there's a place in art for a lot of different kinds of storytelling. I think live theater is, is kind of raw and, and mm-hmm. beautiful and I like the, the live element of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even within the world of musical theater, there's happy stories and sad stories and scary stories. And I personally, everyone feels differently, but I really like leaving the theater feeling inspired and feeling like I filled my head with beautiful things. Yeah. (laughs) And this is a story and this is a show that I feel really excited and passionate about telling. And I think it's a beautiful story of friendship and acceptance and – and so just yeah, getting to tell that story every day and, and get getting to do it with yeah, you know, getting to be best friends on and off stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is it is really good to be home. I definitely I got home and felt yeah relieved and my body did too. Yeah. My body my feet aren't missing my three inch heels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not yet anyway.
0: <laughs> I was curious about um, you know, I think the the biggest thing that I struggle with, I guess, in maybe the last few years is just, um, and it's such, I feel bad even saying it because it's, I get to do beautiful things and wonderful right. things and good things. And it's like, it's, it, I always say to people, it's all good stuff. So don't hear me complain. Right. Of course. Um, but the output, you know what I mean? Like just the, the amount of output. And even with this podcast, like I've told people that I'll sit down and sometimes, I mean, I've admitted it out loud, like I will sit down and be like, God, God, I've got nothing, you know. But it's like the minute I invite him in to it, when I literally say, "Jesus, I invite you into this," and like, um, you're the content creator, and I'll, you know, he's a well that never runs dry, thankfully. And I'll end, you know, my preparation for a podcast and go like, "Well, you did it again." Like, thank you, God. Right, you know, for
1: providing. Yes,
0: but the output, I think, um, even just having conversations and and wanting to you know I talk with people afterwards a lot um uh just you know the podcast and I mentor and um it's a it's it's, it's output and so there's a, not a whole lot of times that we get to get filled up you know mm-hmm. so I, I would love to know just kind of how how did you deal with all the output and this is kind of a double question but like often when i'm i i think i do it no matter what but like I think when I'm weary I can draw from a place that I'll sing from like you know what I mean like if I'm weary there's a place that I'll go to that I can draw from that like of course it's Jesus but sometimes it's even more specific than that um what do you have a place that especially maybe when you're weary that you're just like you maybe in your mind go to that place like to to sing from I mean to right. you know what I mean like to definitely and it gives you this like there's a power that comes from that, and you're like, thank you, God. <laughs>
1: I remember specifically Sunday mornings where my voice would feel tired mm. because, because of the Friday two shows Saturday, and wicked is a lot of music. It's a lot of singing. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, waking up Sunday morning and going, can I can I sing those high notes? Can I belt these these can big numbers? There? Can I get there? I would do um, a lot of humming and steaming and tea drinking in the shower. But I always felt grateful that God was providing me (laughs) with my voice because I feel like just as easily I could have woken up on a Sunday morning and and not had a voice at all Mm. um, just from pure exhaustion. But I tried to be good about – I have a wonderful voice teacher in New York Mm. named Derek, and I was consistently doing Skype lessons with him on the road. And I think – so many times falling back on, um, I would <laughs> at the top of every show I would say a prayer up in the bubble. But <laughs> to um, me too, I always say on... prayer up in
0: the bubble. <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs> up exactly. In the bubble. She means she's actually up in this bubble yeah. that she comes. That's how you start Linda the show, des- right? The,
1: yeah. Linda, her first entrance is descending from a bubble. A so bubble. before Just the like show the has even started, before the overture's begun, I climb in, get clipped in, Aww. and they send me. 35 feet up in the air and so I, I chill there for a few minutes and it's you have no choice yeah. but to get grounded and yeah. centered <laughs> so you, because so you're praying in that moment the ensemble ben- beneath you getting prepared there's you can hear the audience um around yeah. getting seated you know looking through their playbills you hear the orchestra warming mm-hmm. up and you're like well everyone else is getting ready for the show I should too yeah <laughs> So, yeah, I'd wiggle my toes in my shoes, pretend like I was on the ground, yeah. say a prayer, and, and yeah, hope that, um, yeah, I prayed that God would be my strength and, and would sustain me through the next few hours. And yeah. it's fun because I, I end the show in the bubble too. So there's this moment of here we are at the beginning of the <laughs> – I'll be back in here in a few hours, but between now and then, could you just help me get through, Lord?
0: <laughs> yes. Wow. Um is there a place you sing from? Like, are there memories you go to? Like, if you're really, like, for me, I have a, a few. Like, for me, I have this moment. Like, I may have shared this before, but like, when I was little, i know this is weird, but no, <laughs> um, I go back to this time where I was sitting on the front or no, the back porch of our house, and it was one of the times when I was little that like, I I really sensed God was with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when I lead worship, sometimes I go back to that place. I remember because I kind of like—I think I've shared this before, that I like sometimes I would eat dog food back there. I've heard you say this before. (laughs) Like, I would grab a little, like, couple of pieces of dog food, and I would try it, and I felt shameful about it because I was like, I shouldn't be eating dog food, obviously. But I kind of liked it at the same time. I was like, this doesn't taste that bad. Um, But, you know, as a little kid, you're just like—you already— I don't know, for me, like, I'm a four on the Enneagram, so, like, I always innately felt like just something was wrong with me (laughs) across the board. Like, I'm weird. I'm different. Like, I'm on the outskirts here. Um, So I was already feeling that way, but I go back to that moment of where I felt God kind of come near in my backyard and be like, you're all right. I'm with you, even if you eat dog food. Yeah.
1: Um, I think back to— I mean, the prayers
0: I said as a thirteen-year-old of like Aww.
1: this is a dream in my heart, and a, definitely a, a place of gratitude yeah. on the days that you're really tired of, like I
0: love that.
1: Wow, God, you you heard you heard me then, and, and you hear me now. And mm. um, I too, this is this is a little um, silly and less spiritual, but <laughs> when <laughs> I uh, was in college, I studied abroad in London, and I had seen Wicked a few times, and. Mm-hmm. I have this, um, I call him my British brother. He he lived with us for a summer when I was, when I was 16, but, um, my British brother, Tim, uh, we were walking around downtown London in Piccadilly Circus. And my sister-in-law, now sister-in-law, Becca, was actually with us. And we turned the corner and it was the theater, Paula Victoria, Where Wicked Plays. And he pulled out three tickets. And oh. I burst into tears. And there's this really sweet photo of him kind of like cradling my face and I'm crying. <laughs> but in my dressing room, I would always hang that up somewhere. So sweet. Usually in the bathroom. <laughs> when I was washing my hands, I could look up at that photo and be... You know, just remembered yeah, yeah. This, this this place of gratitude of yeah. Wow, I used to like weep to come see this show and, and to yeah. think you know, maybe maybe someone definitely people are seeing this every time it's somebody's first time seeing yeah. it.
0: And God saw that in your heart that, mm-hmm. that was a place where he made that come into fruition. And that's definitely it's beautiful to have that that gratitude that he sees us and um a love even just you know, that he took you to a little theater in Ohio, right? Did you say Ohio? Mm-hmm. That was my first professional yeah. summer and, stock gig. And yep. that's where you would meet your husband. And right. it's just so neat how, like, it's usually this unexpected turn, isn't it, of, like, he always knows where to find us. And, right. And then you find yourself in those full circle moments that's later. That's such a beautiful way of putting it, Christy. Well, it's just you have these realizations, you know, that he, he, he knew – where to find me, and and I guess it like helps us know that um, he really does ordain Definitely. our steps, you know. And yes, um, you were talking about earlier before we push record, but just even like finding a, a home, and you know, like you you think you you need to get real estate savvy and like do right. all this, you know. But I was telling <laughs> I <gotta> you, I got to get <laughs> property in Tennessee stat. <laughs> totally, but Nathan and I are not real estate savvy, but we still landed in a place where it was like so. We were we're so sure that this is where we were supposed to be, and I was telling you I've told this audience before we don't have internet out here, and your eyes got real big. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> but yeah, we didn't know till after we closed on the house that we we didn't have internet, so we live off of hotspots and things. But like, um, but I love it just that God confirms those moments of in those full circle times of, yeah. and remembering and um, being grateful, like you said, and Definitely. singing from a place of. Of gratitude that right he knows I just remembered um
1: something you said reminded me you know I lived in in Brentwood the first eighteen years of my life. I remember um feeling anxiety about about leaving and moving to a different state and being so I think it was like an eight hour drive, yeah. And I had this beloved English teacher who actually lives not too far away from you, David mm. Sawyer. Hi. Oh. <laughs> um, I remember him telling me one day, in in talking to him about about feeling nervous about moving away and starting this mm. new chapter. I remember him saying, "God's already there. Yeah, like God's here with you in Brentwood, but God's in Elon, North Carolina. Yeah, and He's preparing a place for you. And mm. and what if we what if we lived from from that place of of really." trusting what would our, what would our life look like
0: Yeah He's already gone
1: before he's you He's already gone before you. He's already there. Yeah. He's here with us in in Franklin. He's he's in New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> I never thought I'd live in New Jersey.
0: <laughs> but he's there. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful place to end this podcast probably of just especially like I love I'm excited for you. I'm excited mm. to know you right now, especially yeah. like um and I had I didn't get to see That you in those twenty months, I actually just kind of missed you. So like when you were here, you you reached out to me like the last weekend, yeah, it wasn't fair, (laughs) Christy. But my daughter Ellie did get to to go see you, and she loved it. And and then I kind I tried to make it work to come. You sure did. So it was the
1: last weekend of our our shows in Nashville, and I had kind of been hoping you know that you would come, even though there was there was you know I hadn't I hadn't reached out to you about anything, but I did. I think the last weekend, reach out to a mutual friend. I said, "Hey, could you yeah. could you connect us?" I Christie's had you know such a, a big impact on my time on the road. I'd love to mm-hmm. reach out and say hi to her and and get her tickets to to come to the show. But I waited too long, Christy, You were you were out on the road the last <laughs> weekend, was. so it wasn't fair. <laughs> it
0: was, but it's it's um it's just it's neat. I'm like excited. To know you like through this chapter, like you just said, of like you you getting to experience home with your husband for a while, and then just that God's already gone before you with what's next too, and like whatever that's gonna be. So it's gonna be fun to to follow. And I've just appreciated you so much, even just like you know, I listened to your um, conversation with Annie, but just kind of watching y'all become friends and then yes. um and just so sweet, like those few little texts I've gotten from you of you just like preparing your heart for the night and getting to be a part of your world in a small way of, you know, just God uh, using this little podcast in any way, shape, or form in people's life always blows me away. But like, it's, I guess maybe just knowing what it's like to be on the road and knowing that I was like a little part (laughs) of that. Well, too,
1: I mean, it definitely the podcast, but I have to say, That any dressing room felt like home. The second I would plug up my phone to my little Bluetooth speaker Mm. and play Be Held. (laughs) I've I've told you this, but I just love that album. It is so peace-giving and it's Mm. um, a tangible sense of serenity Mm. to me. I guess that's the idea. It's a lot, you know, it's supposed to to soothe, right? Absolutely. The second those few chords start playing… Mm. it just puts my heart in a different oh. place. So, I love so that. thanks for for helping me make make home on the road. Yes. Well,
0: it's my joy. And, and then for
1: inviting me into your home. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you for coming out here and um making the the drive from wherever you were. Brentwood, but you were you were hanging out with Annie. I am. i have in, in in Green Hills. And y'all like, put up her tree last night. We did. We're putting we up a little slumber party. our tree today. Do you want to stay and help me put the yes, tree up? I <laughs>
1: Can I hang a few ornaments? Yes, you
0: absolutely. I'm going to find I'm gonna one a for you to hang. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm just, um, it's a joy to get to know you. And I'm, like I said, excited for what's to come for you. It's going nice to yeah, it's gonna be neat nice to watch. Yes. <gasps> okay.
1: We'll go, we'll go walk around Central Park. I just got excited. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness.
0: Well, thank you, friend. It's so good to have you today.